Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Caffeinate for Wednesday, May the 23rd. My name is Samuel Adams, and welcome to the show. Uh, for those that don't know what the show actually is, this is a daily gaming news morning show. I know, right? Why haven't? Why, why have no? Why has no one else done this before? I'm sure that they have. Uh, but I go over the hottest gaming news of the day, let you guys know what you need to know in the world of gaming and technology to get you going on your day. And we do this five days a week, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Eastern Time. If you did want to tune in live, and then the show is then broadcast, or actually uploaded, I'd rather, over there on Anchor.fm, and then it goes out to podcast services around the world. Uh, and I'm also going to start uploading it on Facebook.com slash Samuel Adams Media if you want to get that in. Uh, but in the chat, Emma says, wait, if I watch Cabinet Live, what am I going to watch while I'm working later? This is true, but I should be live on Facebook a little bit more today just because I've been messing around over there and I have some time because it turns out I don't have to work today. So uh, I'll be going to the gym and then I'll be going uh, to do a couple of other things, but then I should be live and doing other things. Uh, so we'll see what goes on. But Decky, good morning, good morning. Thank you guys for joining me today uh, for the gaming news that you need to know. But I suppose without further ado, I'll go ahead and tell Razum hello and it's going very well and we'll jump into it. First story of the day, the NPD group says God of War has topped the April charts with its record launch, and I believe that it broke some records as well. Uh, The NPD group released its April report today, sharing some great news for Sony. God of War was April's best-selling game, but even more exciting is that it set a new record for the highest ever sales by dollar in a launch month for a PlayStation-exclusive game. Uh, with God of War success, Sony earned its place as April's top-selling publisher. However, Ubisoft still has the lead for the top revenue-generating publisher this year, with Far Cry 5 being the second best-selling game of April. MLB 18 The Show earned third place, only behind God of War for best-selling exclusive. The Nintendo Labo Variety Kit also made it into the top four, while the Robot Kit only ranked at number 21, probably because it's very, very expensive and it's also cardboard. Some other cool stats to consider. April's overall spending across all video game hardware, software accessories, and game cards grew 18% compared to one year ago with gains across all categories. Hardware spending also increased for April 2018, increasing 14% with gains for Xbox One, PS4, and plug-and-play devices such as the SNES Classic. The PS4 earned the highest April unit sales for a console since the Nintendo Wii in April of 2009. That last sentence is very, very significant. The PS4 earned the highest April unit sales for a console since the Wii did in April of 2009. That is nuts. Uh, but the main thing here is that God of War topped the charts. It was uh, it was breaking records all over the place, and it's actually set if it gets six weeks consecutively as being number one. It actually breaks the record that The Last of Us set, if I remember correctly. So, needless to say, God of War, Corey Barlog, and the guys over there behind the scenes of God of War uh, have done very, very well with the game. Uh, but uh, if you need to go quiet and make some uh, some soy sauce and garlic enoki mushrooms, then by all means, that sounds delicious. But uh, with God of War, it's one of those games where it's just fantastic. It truly is a game that I would recommend everybody play if you have a PlayStation 4. It's actually, I would say, a console seller just because the game really is uh, one of the definitive experiences that I've had in this generation. I mean, I've had a PlayStation 4 since day one. I'm still rocking my day one PS4. Uh, even though the disc drive sounds a little bit, I don't know, it's off balance or something. Like, my disc makes a huge noise whenever I put stuff in. Uh, but no worries, I have it tilted a little bit. Anyways, I digress. Uh, the PlayStation 4 is a fantastic console. It truly is uh, the winner of this generation. I mean, the Switch is great. The Xbox One has its perks and its ex- exclusives and all that good stuff. Uh, but the PlayStation 4 really did bring something different to the table, and it has just everything going for it. It really is very impressive, and we'll talk a lot more about PlayStation products in today's episode of Caffeinate, because there's a lot of news coming out, and a lot of discussions to be had about what's coming down the pipe, specifically from that call that we were talking about yesterday, uh, that now more information has been revealed. Ooh, are you guys ready for that? I bet you are. 
but as far as this goes, uh, it seems like PlayStation is killing it, and God of War is uh, is kind of propelling that along. So if you have not played God of War, uh, then uh, I would highly recommend it. If you have a PlayStation 4, then, you know, I, w- I would dive into it. Uh, but Rasm says, great game, highly recommend to buy. Absolutely. I mean, I don't often buy games on day one. I really don't. You know, people think that I play a lot of games and that I buy a lot of games, and I do, I guess, compared to the regular gamer. Uh, but I rarely buy them for $60 on day one. Uh, but this is one of those games where I was on the fence about getting it, but considering the nature of the internet, how you can, you know, uh, sort of get spoiled a lot, you know, you can you can really have an experience ruined for you if you're on online forums and streams a lot. Uh, I figured that I would go ahead and I actually went to GameStop on day one and bought this one, and three other people in line with me also bought the game, which just goes to show that everybody was in love with this. Uh, so you know, you might as well. But yes, Decky, you can drop a Monster Hunter World plug here because after you finish God of War, uh, then Decky has been going on and on about the beauty of Monster Hunter World and how good that game is. So without a doubt, you know, if you, if you want that kind of experience, then after you finish God of War, you might want to like that. But, uh, you know, God of War, again, great game. Totally, totally worthy of being the number one selling game for April. I, I really, it, good game. Really good game. Moving on to the next story of the day. Yakuza 3 through 5 remasters are coming to the PlayStation 4 starting with Yakuza 3 in August. Sega loves you, Yakuza fans, especially Yakuza 3 through 5 fans. Sega has announced remastered versions of Yakuza 3, 4, and 5 are on the way. As a press time, uh, oh, excuse me, as of press time, I don't know what that is, uh, the game have only been confirmed for Japan at the moment. The announcement was made by Dingeki PlayStation in the latest issue of Weekly Famitsu. Thanks, Gamatsu. These names, man, these names, I, I'm sorry, I'm a very white American man who has trouble pronouncing things. Yakuza 3 will be the first to arrive on August 9th, and it includes a download code for the uh, soundtrack. The Yakuza 4 and 5 remasters will follow in fall of 2018 and spring 2019, respectively. Uh, each will feature improved frame rates and resolution as expected from a remastered version. Back in April, Sega said if demand was strong enough, it may consider bringing Yakuza 3 through 5 to the PlayStation 4. That's rather cheeky considering each were apparently already in the works. Once Yakuza 3 through 5 have been released, the the entire series will be available on PlayStation 4, Yakuza 0, the prequel to the first title, Yakuza Kiwami, which is a remake of Yakuza 1, and Yakuza 6, The Song of Life, are all currently available on the PlayStation 4. Never been big into Yakuza, but I thought that people would enjoy this just because I know that it's a game that a lot of people love. Uh, it's kind of like a Japanese, uh, like a mob game almost. It's kind of like Mafia, but with but with uh, Japanese things. Uh, so if you're into that, then by all means, you got one coming out on August the 9th. You've got one coming out later on fall, uh, later in fall of this year. And then you've got one coming out in spring, apparently. So that's a big thing. Uh, but... Indeed, indeed. There is something very satisfying about getting the name that you want on the first day. There is, there is. Uh, but yes, I know that a lot of people love Yakuza, so I thought that I would mention this, but uh, as this guy commented in a GIF form, nice, nice, very cool. GTA minus guns, profanity, and dishonor, apparently, is how Decky describes it, but he also says Kappa. I would say there's probably a good amount of guns, profanity, and dishonor in this game. So, if you want to play through the entirety of Yakuza's 3 through 6 and also the prequel, then you're going to be able to do so by this time next year on the PlayStation 4. So, congratulations to you Yakuza fans out there. But, uh, big news, you know, Sega was apparently working on that, they were teasing it, and apparently the demand was high enough, or the scheduling was right enough to where they actually did that effectively, had pretty good marketing overall, and cool stuff. Uh, but he also says more hand-to-hand combat, so that sounds pretty cool. I might dive into this, actually. Uh, I've been meaning to play a Yakuza game at some point, but I just haven't gotten into it. I might watch some gameplay and see if it's something that might be up my alley. But, um, whenever I see Yakuza, for some reason, I think, like, Max Payne 3 style combat, and I'm like, I know that's not what it is, but I really want it to be what it is. Uh, Well, I digress. Moving on to the next story of the day. 
Red Dead Redemption 2 will not get delayed again, Executive says. No more delays. There is no, basically no chance that Red Dead Redemption 2 will be delayed again. That's according to Strauss Zelnick, the CEO of Rockstar parent company Take-Two Interactive. Speaking to CNBC's Jim Cramer, Zelnick said he is confident that the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One Western will actually come out on October the 26th. Hand on heart, it will come out then, Zelnick said. He asked about this again. Zelnick said the 1,000 or so people working on the game across Rockstar Studios are committed to getting the game out on time. Quote, when I said hand on heart it's over one that wait when i said hand on heart it's over 1000 people at rockstar games with their hands on their hearts he said uh, this isn't the first time Zelnick has expressed confidence in Red Dead Redemption 2 coming out on time. Back in February, Zelnick said he was confident the game would not be late again after it was pushed from spring 2018 to its new date at the end of October. Quote, all of our labels are focused on releasing a title when they reach that apex of effort and perfection, he said at the time. And in this instant, Rockstar felt more polish was required. And naturally, we are in favor of that decision to delay Red Dead Redemption 2. The date of October 26th is set, and I'm confident that it will be the release date. We are incredibly excited about it. Zelnick is getting these questions because Rockstar has a history of delays. The original Red Dead Redemption 2 was delayed before launch, while Red Dead Redemption 2 was delayed multiple times. It was originally due to launch back in 2017 before getting pushed back twice. Can you imagine if that game had come out last year? That would have been so weird. I don't know that it, I think that 2018 is a better year for that. Maybe it's just me, though. Uh, GTA 5 was also delayed before launch. The wait is often worth it for Rockstar Games, as Rockstar has become known for excellence, even if it takes a while. In other news, Rockstar will announce Red Dead Redemption 2 Special Editions and more sometime in June, which is notable because that's when E3 takes place. More than likely going to be seeing some kind of news coming out around E3, not necessarily at E3, but around E3. Uh, but you can check out more Red Dead Redemption 2 coverage over at GameSpot if you would like. Uh, because I feel like I'm compelled to promote these guys since they're making pretty good stuff. But yes, patience makes gold, as Rasm says in the chat. The thing with Rockstar is that they could say that we need three more years on a game. I'm not Red Dead Redemption 2. I don't think fans would be too fond of that. But they can take pretty much as much time as they need on a game because people know quality comes from Rockstar. People know uh, that this company represents a high level of quality when it comes to their games. I mean, as they said, Grand Theft Auto V was pushed back a little bit before release. Uh, but you have to consider what has happened with Grand Theft Auto V. I mean, it's become one of the best-selling entertainment things like movie, music, game, book, whatever it may be. It's one of the best-selling anythings of all time. Uh, I mean, it's behind World of Warcraft, I think, but aside from that, it's the number one selling video game of all time. Uh, if I remember correctly, we covered that on an episode of Caffeinated a couple of months back, but um, but I digress. You know what I'm saying. Grand Theft Auto V is an incredible game, and so whenever you take that into consideration and you really sit here and think about the fact uh, that it is such a massive company that has over 1,000 people working on Red Dead Redemption 2, uh, you know the game is going to be good, and of course, you know, they pushed it back twice, so it seems like October 26th is reasonable, uh, but it's just such a good-looking game. And of course, Grand Theft Auto V was a good-looking game. The trailer for Red Dead Redemption 2 is fantastic. The original Red Dead, I was watching a guy cover some, uh, or do some discussions and talk about some news on that game. The original looks really good, too, you know, even on the Xbox One and the Xbox One X, where it has been enhanced slightly uh, and is backwards compatible, you know, I would recommend going back and playing that. Uh, but Rockstar has a reputation for bringing quality gameplay and quality games to the table, so I expect nothing less from Red Dead Redemption 2 when it launches on October the 26th, uh, but I think it's going to be a better year and a better time frame to release Red Dead Redemption 2 just because it seems like the fall time frame is going to be good for this because this is one that you can play over the winter and really dive into. I think that the spring would have done it well as, as well, though, uh, because if the game had come out in, say, April, like right around uh, maybe a month ago from today, let's say April 23rd, I think that could have been a good 
summer game that people could have kind of savored for a while, and it would have filled a big gap. Uh, but, you know, whenever it comes out, it doesn't matter. People are going to buy it like hotcakes. I mean, really, people are going to be loving Red Dead Redemption 2. I mean, I was talking to a guy last night that was hyped up about it. Everybody loves this game. So, you know, I'm excited about it. I'm going to be getting it on the PlayStation 4 probably. But we're probably not going to be seeing a PC port, but I would love to see that as well, though. Rasm in the chat says, Kingdom Hearts 3 is another good example. Just look at the trailers. It is so good. Oh, yeah. No, that game looks good, and it's been a hot minute since we have heard about that game. Or at least since we heard the announcement of it anyways. But uh, a lot of good games coming out this year, but one of them is Red Dead Redemption 2 coming out on October the 26th. Right around the same time the Black Ops 4 is dropping. We're going to be seeing a very busy October this year. And normally it's November for me, like customarily, uh, that is the busy month for game releases. But no, apparently it's going to be October this year. So uh, maybe we'll just be getting more games spread out over September, October, and November. Because I know we have the Destiny 2 expansion in September. I know that we've got a whole bunch of games coming out in October. Uh, we've got the Battlefield 5, or whatever it may be, of Battlefield V, uh, Battlefield 5, probably. Uh, we've got that announcement today, which we'll talk about in a minute. But um, we've got that coming out, Black Ops 4, we've got uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, a ton of other games coming out, so it's going to be a very exciting time. Uh, Emma says, Rune Factory 4 got laid four times, still one of my favorite games, worth it. Exactly. I mean, you just got one of those things where there are good games that come out and they just take more time. You know? It's kind of like having a baby. Nine months is a long time to wait, but you get a baby. Let's assume that you intended to have a baby. Moving on to the next story of the day. Overwatch Anniversary Skins is live uh, with new, or excuse me, Overwatch Anniversary event is live with new skins, items, and more. Overwatch is entering its terrific twos. Overwatch is turning two this month, and Blizzard is celebrating with another massive anniversary campaign. The special event begins today at 11 a.m., a.k.a. right now, and it comes with a ton of new skins, a new re-release of the game, and more. The Overwatch Secondary Anniversary event will run June 11th, according to uh, will run until June 11th, according to Blizzard. There's a total of 190 new anniversary items, 60 of which are new this year. These range from eight original legendary skins, new dance emotes, and more. Among the other items available during the event are several pieces of older seasonal content from 2017's limited time modes, alongside skins from more recent brawls. Everyone gets a legendary anniversary loot box for logging into the game as well, which includes all of this older content. There's also Petra, a free-for-all deathmatch map that comes to over watch as part of the event. The Chateau Gillard map will also be playable in the competitive deathmatch mode during the anniversary special gameplay from these, as well as many of the skins were previously seen as part of a Taiwanese leak that icked out over the weekend. Blizzard said that it made as much a... It make... It wait what that was a typo right there. Blizzard said that it may take as much as 30 minutes for the anniversary event to begin on all platforms, so don't worry if it's not immediately available. For anyone who has yet to check out Overwatch, Blizzard has released a special Legendary Edition of the game available on PlayStation 4, Windows PC, and Xbox One. The Legendary Edition is currently on sale for $39.99. The standard Overwatch is also on sale for $19.99. Both offers are available through June the 4th at midnight Pacific time. And make no mistake, there is literally no reason to buy the Legendary Edition if you do not want that it's not like you get expansions or dlc you just get a ton of skins that you don't really need the legendary edition includes five epic and five legendary skins as well as the skins from the overwatch origins event blizzard is also throwing in skins and other content based on diablo 3 starcraft 2 hearthstone heroes of warcraft world of warcraft and heroes of the storm uh, you can check out some of the outfits here i mean you've got a mccree kind of detective looking thing you've got a uh a uh, Tubjorn's son with her daughter with a uh, with a giant shield. I don't know these. I haven't played Overwatch in a hot minute. Bastion. Uh, we've got a really awesome, awesome. Uh, what's his name? Death Fist or whatever it is. Man, I have Doom Fist. There we go. Nailed it. I am such a good Overwatch player. Man, I have kept up with the lore of that game. Ooh, there's a junk rat dressed as a pirate. All right, I'm very interested in this. 
But um, yeah, whenever it comes to games, well, specifically Overwatch, really, I played a lot of it when the game came out, but whenever they started adding, you know, new heroes and just continuously fleshed out the game, I kind of died off from it, even though I respect the fact that they kept it going, because it seems like the community got to be uh, really, I don't, I don't want to say overpowered, but just a little bit salty and, and really, I, I guess that's what happens when you find a community that gets passionate about your game, is that eventually you just kind of, you know, get get to the point where you have, you know, some people that are taking it a little bit too seriously and maybe that turned me off a little bit from it but the game is still very fun the mechanics are very well done I'm I'm, uh, I'm very proud of what they've done over there at Blizzard with uh, you know what they've brought to the table with this game I think that it's a very admirable venture I think that they changed things up whenever Blizzard the World of Warcraft company came out with a first person shooter and apparently there's another one coming down the pipe as well uh, not necessarily Overwatch 2 I think that Overwatch is going to be one of those games that continuously evolves over time uh, but I think there's going to be another FPS coming out that could be something completely new I feel like Blizzard has learned uh, that they are able to do that kind of thing by throwing something completely out of out of left field uh, in here like they did with Overwatch and they'll have major success with it because they are Blizzard I mean people love the company and people will support the company in a large portion of what they end up doing regardless of what it is so if you are into Overwatch, if you want to dive into Overwatch for the first time, this is the best time to do it. I mean, a big, big event uh, is obviously going to be a very welcoming time to uh, to get in there and give it a shot. So, if you want to get it, the game's twenty bucks. Uh, you can get pretty much everything that you need in that twenty buck edition. If you want some extra little bells and whistles, if you want to look pretty, uh, then you can get the legendary edition of the game, or you can just grind for skins like I did for about you know six to eight months. Uh, however, it's not going to be for everyone. I will say that uh, the game is definitely welcoming, but it's not going to be an easy game. You're going to have to really take the time to get good, as the kids say. But uh, it begins yesterday, I suppose. When did, when was this published? Yeah, it began yesterday, so the anniversary event is live if you want to jump into that right now on the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and the PC. But moving on to the next story of the day, H1Z1 PS4 open beta drew impressive player numbers on the first day. I'm very shocked at this, and I actually threw this story in here at the last minute. Literally, as I went live, I went ahead and added this one because it was published this morning uh, over there on Game Rant by Chris Glover. I wonder if he's related to Donald. The Battle Royale genre is perhaps the most competitive in the games industry right now, with Fortnite and PUBG comfortably dominating the market. However, H1Z1, arguably the first popular Battle Royale shooter, has proven that there is still room for other titles in the genre after a promising first day on the PS4 open beta. H1Z1 has been out on PC for some time, where it enjoyed some success for its last man-standing approach to gunplay and vehicle combat. Daybreak Games has now ported the game to PlayStation 4 under the title H1Z1 Battle Royale, and given the fact that no end date has been announced for the beta, it seems it will be available for for free for an extended period of time. The success of the beta on its first day, clocking over 200,000 concurrent players, marks a promising return for events for H1Z1. Uh, excuse me. Pro- marks a promising turn of events for H1Z1. Despite efforts from Daybreak to set up an esports league for the game, H1Z1 had lost 91% of its players just three months ago. The figures from the PS4 debut are even more significant still, with considering that even at H1Z1's peak on PC, it only managed 150,000 concurrent players, significantly less than the PS4 open beta at launch. If this popularity keeps up or even increases, the PS4 PS4 could offer a revival for H1Z1. With its dwindling player base on PC, the game looked to be following in the steps of fellow Battle Royale title Radical Heights, which lost 82% of its players in just two weeks after launch, leading to the closure of Boss Key Productions. Despite its impressive player count, however, it was not exactly smooth sailing for H1Z1's PS4 debut. Perhaps because of the unexpectedly high amount of traffic, the servers ran into multiple issues, some players were regularly separated from their party members, with no explanation, wait times were high, and many were unable to log into the game at all. Should Daybreak Games be able to quickly deal with their 
server troubles, H1Z1 could have a promising future on the PlayStation 4. While Fortnite has obviously established itself as the definitive Battle Royale title on the console, even partnership with a, even entering partnership with Sony to offer PS4 exclusive content, H1Z1 has the benefit of being able to, uh, you know, it, it's the only realistic military-style Battle Royale available on the PlayStation 4, as compared to Xbox One that has PUBG, so, you know, you gotta take that into consideration. Uh, as such, it will be interesting to see how H1Z1 stacks up against Fortnite in the coming weeks. Uh, so, if you want to dive in right now on the PlayStation 4 and see what's going on uh, with H1Z1 Battle Royale, then you can do that. Uh, but this is a game that I spent probably about maybe 30 hours playing on PC, and this was kind of after the after everything went down. Uh, for those that don't know what happened with H1Z1, essentially, it, it, we used to be the king. It really was. It was, the, as this article says, the first really big Battle Royale game. Uh, and everybody really did love H1Z1. I remember it being pretty much the number one played game on Twitch behind things like League of Legends and all of that good stuff. Uh, but it was the number one game on Twitch for a while. A lot of people played it. It was pretty much what Dr. Disrespect played. It was like what Fortnite and PUBG are now about two years ago or so. I remember watching a guy play it around Christmas of 2016, I think, and that was kind of like right before PUBG launched and everybody still was digging the Battle Royale thing. Uh, however, you know, now we have this coming out on the PlayStation 4 and actually bringing a lot of players back into the game, even though it hasn't been that smooth of a launch. Uh, but I think the PlayStation 4 does afford a good amount of people that are looking for another free Battle Royale game because it is different than Fortnite and people are going to get tired of Fortnite eventually. So you might as well, you know, go ahead and, and shoot your shot and see if your H1Z1 game is going to be what brings PlayStation 4 players over from Fortnite when they get bored. But I think it's going to be one of those situations uh, where gamers switch back and forth, where if they're getting tired of playing Fortnite, then they'll just switch over to, to H1Z1 for a while and give that beta a shot, and then they might get tired of that and switch back over to Fortnite, because whether we like it or not, uh, the Battle Royale genre is here to stay, and it's pretty much the new Call of Duty, uh, so, you know, like, whenever I was growing up and I was playing a game like Modern Warfare 3, I played a lot of Modern Warfare 3, uh, whenever I was playing that constantly, I would switch over to another game like Black Ops, and then I'd switch back to Modern Warfare 3, and then I might go over and play another game, uh, but I was always switching around and doing different stuff. Uh, but yo, Rasta, what's going on? Welcome on in. Is it still going? I thought they were done from... Uh, no, they were not done. The game lost 91% of its players on PC, and there were layoffs happening at Daybreak, but the game was still thriving. This is pretty much their last-ditch effort. This is pretty much what uh, Cliff, Cliffy B and the uh, the guys over there behind the scenes at Radical Heights did uh, whenever they pumped out that Battle Royale game and tried to save the company overall. That's kind of what Daybreak is doing here with the PS4 version of H1Z1. So you have to kind of consider all these things really really take everything in and think about it but you know this is the best option I think uh, in the long run for what could have happened with H1Z1 because it was either this or the game just dissipates and never to you know be seen again uh, it's kind of like in Infinity War whenever the uh, the dude just kind of you know falls apart and flies away in a, in a giant cloud of dust and particles that's kind of like what I what I imagine was happening with H1Z1. Maybe that's just me, though. So, if you want to play H1Z1 in an open beta format on the PlayStation 4, then you can jump in right now for free. I think they would be absolutely delusional to think that they could charge for this game at this point. Um, you need to make H1Z1 free-to-play indefinitely, and it is free-to-play on PC right now if you did want to try it over there. Uh, but I would highly recommend trying out the PS4 version because the PC community for H1Z1 is, uh, number one, relatively non-existent. Number two, uh, not exactly the friendliest group of people if I do say so myself, but that is all, you know, up to you to decide. 
They could be very nice people to you. I don't know. Moving on to the next story of the day. Speaking of the PlayStation 4, Sony is focusing on PSN and PS4 games until 2021. In midterm corporate strategy, uh, in a midterm corporate strategy report, Sony CEO Yoshida laid out the company's expectations for the uh, PS4 and the overall game and network services division from now until March 31st, 2021. During this time, services and software are expected to drive revenue, not hardware sales. This is a continuation of the story that we had yesterday. Uh, so I, you know, talked to you yesterday about how they were uh, kind of shutting down the PS4's life cycle and they were beginning to wind down. It's in its final phase, so to speak. Not shutting down the production, make no mistake, uh, but they are kind of beginning to wind down and realize that the PS5 is on the horizon. Uh, so, the company says PSN currently generates annual sales of a trillion yen with 80 million monthly active users and that PlayStation Plus paid subscriptions have been growing from year to year, sitting at 34.2 million at the end of the fiscal year 2017. PS4 sales, which sit at 79 million units as of March 31st, are declining year upon year slightly, but still put the console on pace to surpass PS3's 83 million units, so I would say it's possible. Sony Interactive Entertainment CEO John Codera said the gamers can expect more new IPs as well as franchising successful IPs and refreshing existing IPs, according to Wall Street Journal reporter Takashi Mochizuki nailed it. In regards to other PS4 sectors, Codera said that the PSVR, while growing, is below market expectations. We talked about that yesterday. The main thing here is that it's a confirmation that they're going to be working on software and the services side of that, which is actually bringing me to a point that I want to make about E3. Uh, A couple of days ago, I was on the Game and Talk podcast with Joey Ferris, Ferris Wheel Productions on Twitter, uh, Curly Supreme over there on Twitter if you want to follow those guys. I was on their production uh, for Nuke the Fridge Games where we were talking about Sony E3 predictions, and one of mine was that I think we're going to be seeing kind of a reworking of the PlayStation Now subscription service, uh, which essentially allows, uh, you know, it allows you to play PS3 and sometimes PS2 games and PS4 games that are in the library uh, on your PlayStation 4 and stream them directly from the service, kind of in the same way uh, that you would do a, an Xbox Game Pass, but a little bit different. Uh, it's a little bit, little bit different from that, but it's the same kind of concept where you essentially pay a monthly subscription and you get access to a ton of games to play. Uh, so I think they would change the pricing for that. I think they're going to be changing the model for that, and um, that could very well maybe push the game and uh, or push the games and the hardware a little bit further along than I think they are right now. Uh, but with that being said, the PS4 is still killing it. They have a ton of exclusives. God of War is again, like we said at the beginning of the show. Killing it right now. Absolutely killing it. So, you know, if you've got a PlayStation 4, then you are going to be having a good time until 2021 at the very least. Uh, But make no mistake, we're going to be seeing a console way before 2021. I would say uh, that we're looking at a PS5 launch in 2020, if I had to guess. And that's kind of what I'm going to be sticking to over the next couple of years. Unless I see some kind of evidence that really does change things up. But really, I'm thinking that the PS4 is going to be here for quite a while. I mean, whenever it comes down to, like, after production in in PS3 times, uh, it really wasn't a thing where the PS3 died immediately after the PlayStation 4 came out. There are still many reasons to have a PlayStation 3, and people still buy them and play them on a weekly basis. So, you know, if you want to buy a PS4 now and you're afraid that you're going to be getting, you know, the short end of the stick and that you're going to be getting a PlayStation 5 revealed at E3, no. Without a doubt, no. But I would wait until around E3 because there's generally always a sale on PlayStation 4 hardware around E3 time. So... If you're in the market, then I would say it's still a good time to get one. 
But um, even in 10 years, I would say it's still a good time to get a PS4. It's a great, great little console. Uh, in the chat, Rasta says, To be fair, they messed up the game when they added updates, and I literally want old H1Z1 back. Yeah, going back to the previous story, the balance of the game overall was a little bit messed up after they added a patch that changed up the feel of the game. It really did ruin the game, and I think that was kind of the beginning of the decline uh, for H1Z1. I remember streamers absolutely freaking out uh, because they completely changed up the way that the game felt and the flow of the game and the speed of the game. Ooh, man, they messed up over there at Daybreak. I'm not going to lie. But moving on to the next story of the day, the number of PlayStation Plus paying members PSN users rise to new heights, up and up. Uh, This story is coming to us from GameSpot's Eddie McCuck. While Sony is predicting PlayStation 4 hardware sales to decline in the future, any negative impact from lower hardware sales may be offset by gains to Sony's services. This week, Sony announced that the number of PlayStation Network monthly active users has risen to 80 million, which is up from the 70 million figure that Sony disclosed this time last year. Additionally, the number of people who pay for PlayStation Plus has risen to 34.2 million, as we said in in the last uh, story that compares to 26.4 million from a year ago. What's more, PS4 gamers are spending 800 million hours on the system each week as of December of 2017, which compares to 600 million hours per week at this point last year. All of this notable because as PS4 sales decline, revenue from services like PlayStation Plus will be important to PlayStation's overall profitability. And they are doing very well. But I mean, we could go on. Uh, It's going to pretty much quote a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about in the last story as well as in yesterday's episode of Cabinet. But the main thing here is that PlayStation Plus is killing it, uh, and the PSN users are also killing it. I mean, 80 million people, that's an additional 10 million people that may or may not be paying. You know, it depends. But what it comes down to is that you have a lot of people signing on to that service on a daily basis. I mean, 800 million hours on the system each week. Imagine how much time that actually is. People love their video games. It is amazing to see. Uh, But that's up 200 million hours as compared to this time last year. That's a lot of time. And um, I think that has a lot to do with the exclusives that are coming to the console. I mean, you had Uncharted The Lost Legacy. Uh, You had Shadow of the Colossus Remastered, The Last Guardian. I mean, some people played it. Uh, You've got a lot of big exclusives coming out like God of War. And um, and also, it's the go-to place for a lot of multiplayer experiences. I mean, Call of Duty uh, had a lot of, of, um, you know... uh, the exclusive time DLC and stuff like that where it used to be on Xbox and then it came over to PlayStation 4. And I think that same kind of thing is set up with Destiny 2. So there's a lot of people that are playing these major multiplayer experiences on PS4 because of the fact that they have an advantage when it comes to DLC and timed releases. So uh, if you are looking at it like that, then the PS4 has a lot of stuff going for it and uh, it just continuously goes up, up, and up. Uh, I think the Switch is going to be a fantastic, you know, piece of hardware. I think the Xbox One has its perks, but like I said earlier in the show, for this generation, I think PS4 has definitely still got it in the bag. It's not going to be going anywhere anytime soon, and it will most definitely surpass the 83 million units of the PS3 that were sold. I really do believe that. Uh, But moving on to another PlayStation-related story, I'm sorry... I didn't mean for this to happen, but it just simply did. SIE CEO John Codera plans to continue supporting PlayStation Vita until 2020. Now, let me tell you right now, I may or may not have been playing my Vita earlier in the week, and does this thing still hold up? It is fantastic. I love the fact that my Vita is still thriving in 2018. We've got games coming out this week. We've got Bloodstained Curse of the Moon dropping on this thing, and I cannot wait to play that. It's going to be like 10 bucks, I think. Fantastic deal, guys. Fantastic deal. Uh, But previously, the president and CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment, uh, Sayoshi John Kodera, made a remark that PS4 is entering the final phase of its console life cycle and the PlayStation would crouch down once until March 2021 to grow in the future. Crouch down? Okay. 
Uh, today, a couple of Japanese news sites such as Bloomberg News Japan and Manton Web have revealed that Kodera also had new remarks on the PlayStation Vita as well. He says, and I quote, regarding the portable gaming console PlayStation Vita, Kodera said, I'd like to think about various options, which makes it clear that he is thinking once again uh, to give a focus to it as an important product in the company, lining it up with home consoles. Kodera also pointed out, in what ways can we make more unique experiences by having customers use the portable device already sitting in their hands? We're currently having various considerations with such a point of view, which shows the direction of enhancing the Vita's advantage of being able to carried, uh, to be carried and played outside. Bloomberg notes that Kodera's approach is contrasting from previous CEO Andrew House, who did not see portable game consoles as, quote, being a huge market opportunity. Kodera also said in the interview that rather than splitting between portable and home console, we need to continuously think on whether or not there are ways to deal with portables as a way to provide an even better gaming experience. Finally, Kodera also mentioned a clear estimate on how long Sony is going to continue supporting the Vita in a separate interview article posted by Manton Webb. Regarding the portable game console PlayStation Vita, which has also been uh, going sluggish, although Kodera would refrain from also thinking about portables uh, in detail, he said, while sales shipments of PlayStation Vita for Europe and America are over, we're still, excuse me, we're still continuing sales for Asia and Japan, but in the end, we're on a direction to wrap it up within two years, around 2020. This goes in line with recent reports that say Sony is ceasing production of Vita physical games for America and Europe while still continuing them in Japan and Asia for the foreseeable future. So, essentially, you're still going to be able to get PlayStation Vita stuff, including hardware and games, until at least 2020. Uh, So that's crazy to think that the game console came out back in 2012 and it has about eight years in it. I did not think uh, that we would be seeing that much of of an amount of love and support for the good old PlayStation Vita because when it comes down to it, this is one of the most underrated handhelds of all time. Uh, I might make an entire video on this at some point, uh, like a a post-mortem kind of thing, but um, when it comes to quality of mobile gaming experiences when it comes to the usability of this device when it comes to the multiplayer portion of the Vita as well there are a lot of reasons to love this little device and I bought this one on day one I've been playing it every year since I'd probably play it about once a month even at the low point of me playing the Vita I would still play it at least once a month there are really truly great experiences on the Vita and it's worth buying one on eBay if you can find one for like 150 bucks or so the games included with PlayStation Plus are also fantastic there are many Many, many reasons to buy a Vita, and um, I have well, well, well gotten my worth out of that thing, if that's a, if that's a good way to say that. Uh, but Rasm says Switch is the new Vita in some ways. No, without a doubt, the Switch is the replacement Vita, I would say. With it. I mean, that's just kind of what it comes down to. Uh, the Switch has all but killed off the Vita, if you will, because it's just such a better portable console. You get better high-quality experiences. It is the new place where indie developers are pushing it over, and, um, and indie developers are really making the Switch their own kind of thing. So that just kind of makes sense to switch over to the Vita, or to switch over to the Switch if you have a Vita. Uh, but the screen on this thing is beautiful. The fact that it is a PlayStation console with games like Uncharted, and Killzone and Wipeout and all these big PlayStation franchises. It's a major deal uh, for those that love those specific franchises. So it's still worth buying in my eyes, even if you have a Switch. But I mean, I sold my Switch. I didn't sell my Vita. If that's saying anything, then, you know, I'm just saying. But Emma says, I've always addicted, uh, I was always addicted to the Game Boy slash DS line, nothing in replace it. Yo, a lot of people love the DS and a lot of people love the Game Boy. I was more of a Game Boy than a DS guy. I was a Game Boy, if you will. Uh, but, um, but no, I enjoyed both uh, yeah, those Nintendo hardware lines. It is fantastic. I've always had a little soft spot for portable hardware. I don't know what it is. Like, I like playing on PC. I like playing on PS4 and, uh, and Xbox One. And I love the console kind of thing. But I must admit that I really do love the the portable thing. But also, Alan in the chat, good morning. Never had either one, a Game Boy or a DS. Oh, son. Oh, you missing out, dude. Oh, oh, man. 
you've got to go back and play that stuff. But yes, uh, if you have not played any of the portable gaming consoles that we've been discussing, they're all worth buying, and generally you can find them for a relatively affordable price. I mean, a DS Lite, uh, we were talking about there was a dude that was modding DS Lites a couple of days ago, and... um called the Game Boy Neon Advance, or the Neon Advance, that's what it was, and he modded the DS Lite to be able to play and uh, the Game Boy Advance games only. Uh, Very cool stuff. However, I digress, there is still a lot of value in having a $50 DS Lite because the games library from the DS is so good. I mean, you've got so many incredible games on there that, um, I mean, if you can find one, by all means, I would totally do it. Portable gaming is its own magical experience, without a doubt, considering you can do it on a bus and a plane and a train, on a boat, in a moat, Dr. Seuss, but um, you can do it anywhere, and it's just, uh, it's amazing, but yes, uh, I don't know that we'll see a sequel or a successor to the PlayStation Vita, uh, I would like to see a PlayStation Vita 2 or whatever it may be, uh, maybe, a, maybe a return of the PlayStation Portable, maybe we will just see a PSP, but um, I think that with the advent of, of um, mobile gaming with, with phones uh, and the fact that the Switch is still dominating the marketplace and people are playing on iPads and Fortnite's on mobile devices, and it's just one of those things where I think that the mobile space is becoming a bit saturated, but I know that there are a ton of people that would buy a PlayStation Vita in 2018 and a PlayStation Vita successor in 2019 or 2020, uh, but I really don't think that's going to happen. However, look at this device. I mean, look at look at this thing right here. The, the one that's on the screen over here, the blue one, the baby blue one with all the round buttons, that's a good-looking piece of hardware, people. That is a beautiful-looking piece of hardware. I am just saying that is a good-looking little device. Alan says, I feel like they should bring back the PSP with all these new games. I think it would do good. I think it would, too. Uh, I think that they, that console could do very well, depending on the circumstances, but I love the Vita. If you haven't bought one, you know, even if you wait three years until they're really, really cheap, it's still totally worth getting. I'm just saying it. It really, it really, truly is worth getting. Uh, but I digress. It looks like we're going to be getting support, at least in certain portions of the world, until 2020. And the good thing about modern day is that if there is support in one portion of the world, there's support around the world. Oh, thank you, Internet. Moving on to the next story of the day. Actually, a tweet. Uh, Tune in for the Battlefield 5 live reveal today at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 22 hours CET. Uh, So just so you guys know, tomorrow we're going to be talking all about Battlefield 5. And then later on in the week, whenever I do an episode of On the Topic of, then I'll be talking about uh, what's coming down the pipe with Battlefield. That's going to be the focus of this week's episode of On the Topic of. So if you want a full breakdown in the same way that I revealed or I debuted or or talked about the Call of Duty stuff last Friday, uh, then we're going to be talking about Battlefield this Friday. It's a lot of very, very shootery kind of kind. Of kind of vibe going on with the, the FPS games on the episodes of On the Topic of. Uh, but today I'm going to be watching this. I might even watch it live. I don't know if I can stream that on Facebook. We'll see what goes on. But um very excited to see what Battlefield 5 has coming down the pipe. And I think that they are too because they're actually doing some promotions right now, which brings us into the next story. Battlefield 1 in the name of the Czar DLC and Battlefield 4 Final Stand DLC are free for a limited time. EA has made one of the best Battlefield 1 expansions free for a limited time. Earlier this month, Battlefield 1's They Shall Not Pass and Battlefield 4's Dragon Teeth had their price reduced to zero. This promotion has now ended replaced with a new one. Today, EA announced that in the name of the Tsar and Battlefield 1 expansion, uh, wait, Today, EA announced that in the name of the Tsar, the Battlefield 1 expansion there added the Russian army, six maps, and a host of weapons. It is completely free for anyone willing to grab it. This is now live on the PlayStation Store as well as the U.S. PlayStation Store around the world. Uh, you can also follow this link for the Xbox Store right there. So if you have the game, then you can get that. But Battlefield 4 players get Final Stand for free as well. Another fantastic uh, piece of DLC that is very cold and desolate looking. Uh, however, I played the Final Stand DLC. I have in the name of the Tsar, but I mean, it's kind of hard to figure out 
out what maps you're actually playing uh, whenever you're playing Battlefield 1 and like what map pack it's from. However, the game is also on sale on PSN right now. If you have PlayStation Plus for 15 bucks, and I would assume it's around the same for live, maybe. Uh, however, 15 bucks for the Revolution edition of Battlefield 1 where it comes with the game and the the uh, pass as well is a really, really good deal. And of course, you can also get the Battlefield 1 Revolution and Titanfall 2 bundle for 20 bucks. 20 bucks for Battlefield 1 with all of its DLC and Titanfall 2, which also includes all of its DLC, are very... I mean, that's a great deal. And then 15 bucks for just Battlefield uh, 1 is also a fantastic deal. But if you are... um. You know, looking for a good FPS to play over the summer and dig your teeth into and grind, uh, then I think Battlefield 1 could be the one for you. I might actually buy the game on PS4 because I liked it on, on PC. I do enjoy the game on PC, but I just feel like I might enjoy it a little bit more on PS4. I don't know. I don't want to waste the money. I might go ahead and just buy Bloodstained Curse of the Moon and, and call it a day. Uh, but with that being said, fantastic deal. Normally around 60 bucks, and uh, there's also a big, big sale going on right now on the PlayStation 4 if you did want to dive into that. And I'm sure that Xbox is going to be having some kind of sale coming up pretty soon because we are coming up on summer sale season where everybody puts their old games at incredibly low prices because nothing else is coming out so they're trying to get their sales going uh, but alan says specific how do i put that into central is it one hour ahead or one hour behind or am i way off uh let's see so it'd be 1 p.m pacific time at central time 1 p.m eastern time to central time Let's see. It uh, that's twelve. That that is noon today for you, my friend. That is noon today for you. Uh, but yeah, if you guys want to get those free DLC packs, then by all means you can dive in and uh, and get all of that stuff on Origin, on PS Store, and on Xbox Live Marketplace. If you did want to do that. Uh, but moving on to the final story of the day, Nintendo trademark points toward N64 mini release question mark. I can't believe this is actually. A question like this is happening. I'm sorry. Considering the success and appeal of both the NES Classic Edition and the SNES Classic Edition, there is no doubt that fans all around the world would be ecstatic if Nintendo finally decided to officially release a Nintendo 64 Mini Classic Edition as well. Now it seems as if the big end. That's a weird way to say. Nintendo, the big N could have such a product in the works. Should a recent trademark filing by the company for the N64 name be any indication of its plans for the future? The trademark filing was discovered by the Nintendo blog, simply known as Japanese Nintendo, from a trademark filing site based in Japan, with the blog having found that the filing for the N64 name lists various purposes related to its use. The filing for the N64 is related to a program for downloadable video games, a ROM for storing a program for home video games, a TV video game machine, a portable electronic game machine, joysticks, controllers, and more. Taking into account each one of the purposes listed above, it definitely sounds like Nintendo is preparing to lay the groundwork for the creation of the N64 Mini in the vein of the aforementioned NES and SNES Classic Editions. After all, the Big N, there it is again, I don't know why we're calling it that, uh, the Big N has already caused many to speculate that such a product was on the way after it filed a trademark several months ago that included language relating to a console's trident-shaped controller. Bearing all of this in mind, with Nintendo having yet to openly confirm the eventuality of the N64 Classic Edition, it's best to simply wait for the Big N. Why do you keep calling it? that to officially announce that it's on the way before taking a trademark filing as concrete evidence of it being in existence. Many companies file trademarks and don't immediately declare there to be an actual product in the works, so we simply have to wait and see what Nintendo has in store for us. So... Uh, I, this is definitely happening. I mean, we've had such a crazy amount of success with, number one, the NES Classic Edition, uh, and number two, the SNES Classic Edition. Both were very much so loved and cherished and uh, are still very hot items. I mean, they're coming back to store shelves over the summer uh, until they run out of stock, uh, but they have really been ramping up production because no one expected them to be this freaking popular. Everybody loves these things. Uh, so for them to forego making an N64, I mean, imagine going and spending 80 bucks, let's say, 
on an N64 with the iconic N64 games. I mean, I would pay I would pay 40 or 50 bucks for just a smaller version of the N64 with Super Mario on it, like Super Mario 64. Uh, that would be amazing to me, but uh, that's all beside the point. I suppose we'll see what goes on with this. I would not be surprised to see some kind of announcement at E3 or in a summer Nintendo Treehouse and then maybe a September release for this. I could definitely see that being the case, but this is one of those things where you can't let it sit for too long. Uh, you've really got to go ahead and, and, and speed up that process and really get that console out there because the hype is high right now, and you've really got to take advantage of that while you can, so hopefully we'll be seeing more information about this in the next couple of months from the big N, because apparently that's that's what we're calling Nintendo now, but I digress. We'll see what goes on with that. However, that wraps it up for today's episode of Caffeinate. I hope you guys have enjoyed today's show. If you did and you're watching on YouTube, number one, if you're watching live with me, thank you for taking the time to watch the video with me this morning. I hope you guys have a fantastic day. If you are watching later on in the day on YouTube.com slash Samuel Adams Media via VOD, uh, then by all means, click that subscribe button and be notified whenever I do go live with the show. I would love to, uh, I would love to see you guys back in my chat. We've got an amazing group of people here that is doing some amazing things with their lives. You know why? Because they're up early enough to watch this. That means they're doing things, whether it be school or work, they're doing things. But um, I digress. I'm just messing with you. Um, If you're watching on podcast services or rather listening on podcast services later on in the day, uh, then if you're listening on Anchor, then uh, favorite the podcast. Go ahead and do some of those applause, if you will. And then over on iTunes, you can leave me a rating if you would like, if you're ever so kind. Uh, however, with that being said, uh, I would love for you guys to have a fantastic day. And join me again tomorrow for the Thursday episode where we will be talking a little bit about Battlefield 5. I'm very excited about that. But I hope you guys have a fantastic day. Thank you again for watching. I will talk to you very soon. Peace.